Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of manifestfit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the 155th episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter. And boy, it is good to be back uh, with the crew. Um, I mean, I can't even remember the last time I spoke to Nathan. Um, at least Evan right. actually flew up to Seattle and we like, you know, toasted some Matador nachos with with Josh and Will. Um, that was fun, man. So gonna welcome in the guys. Uh, uh, what is it? What is your Twitter handle now, Evan? Yeah, so the good news about my Twitter career is, is my handle has been consistent across all the years I've been on there. So it's Evan Hill HB. That is hopefully what, what it will be permanently. Yeah, you know, for someone that works in marketing, you are a whiz when it comes to throwing people off your social media trail, uh, breaking all the rules. You know what it is? You know what it is? I got to shake up the Niners fans every single offseason because there's a ton of like really hardcore Niners fans that follow me a little bit too closely. And I just got to get them off my trail just a little bit. I see. I see. Wise, wise uh, uh, moves there. Um and we will we will be joined by Jeff Simmons soon enough, but uh, he's you know typically late. I'm sure he's doing like softball or something. Who knows? Or like, what do they do in Canada? Like curling? He's probably curling somewhere. Um, but we do have uh, Nathan Ernst at Nathan Eleven. Still at Nathan Eleven? You haven't I changed. Think so him. I think All so. Right. All right. Excited to be your consolation prize for no Jeff today. So you know, Nathan, go ahead, Evan. I just don't feel like I've seen you on active on Twitter a ton recently or have I just not 
You retweet? I do a lot of retweets. I'm yeah, real mad about this LeBron James or not LeBron James tweet, uh, trade, but uh, the Russell 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 Westbrook. Tw- uh, oh my god, I can't talk. to LA. This is gonna be good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nathan is is coming back to us in terms of speaking out loud. This is this is someone who's been just uh, doing kind of a Buddhist uh, silent meditative treatment over the off season. So it's a big step for Nathan. So give him a little bit of time to reacclimate to speaking out loud. Um, I love it because any team with Russell Westbrook has no chance of winning a championship. So I'm super happy about that. Um, Nathan, what have you been up to, man? Like, give us give us a little bit of Nathan's off season. What what's been going on in your world? I've been uh, I've been trying to be a, a real estate mogul. I've been <laughs> it's a good time to do that. Homes, buying homes, trying to move. It's been a eventful couple months so how has that been because the seattle proper real estate market is no joke and it's not for the weak of heart it was really fun selling our house um but we had to put we put six offers on homes before we finally got ours and um we missed one by nine thousand dollars we were $5,000 over on one, but didn't get it. And then we were um, even with another one of the houses. So we were neck and neck the whole way, spending way too much money on some of these homes, or trying to anyways, and, and whiffing. So it's a really miserable experience. It's <laughs> we bought our house, and I'm super excited. I can't wait to get moved in. It's going to be awesome. So you Do you know, move in soon, or, or is it like 60 days out? It's into August. Okay, cool. Well, you know, it is challenging shopping in the $50 million house region. Like, I mean, that, that, that's budget is it's hard to find the right home for that kind of price. So I'm glad you finally found uh, Bill Gates. I'm sure Nathan's just grateful for that Patreon money. That when you're spending that amount of money, when you're spending $50 million, you really want to find the perfect house, you know? So it's really excruciating. Did you, did you go for the one helipad or two helipad? And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I'm not some peasant, Brian. <laughs> not a plebe. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's good to know. I will. I will make sure to fly my toy helicopter over there as soon as you've moved in. Um. Speaking of money, speaking of Patreon, we should start. We got to start here, guys. Um. Uh. I got the chance to um. Uh. Go to the Ben's Club uh charity dinner. Uh. Last week, I think it was, and. They did not have a chance to do the whole affair this year with the auction where I get to do a bunch of fun stuff for a bunch of the patrons. Um, I think they wanted to, but just couldn't pull it all together. So they did a small dinner for some of the larger donors. And um, because of all the support we've had from this group over the years, we are one of the larger donors and um, was able to give our donation this year, which was $40,000. you know, uh, a good more than half of that comes from the patrons. Um, then uh, my company uh, matches ten thousand of that Adobe, um, and then uh, Rachel and I put put our own uh, donation on top of that. So really proud that we've um, been able to do that, and uh, that forty thousand put us up to two hundred and ten thousand dollars we have donated to charity through Real Hawk Talk, through Hawk Blogger um you know dating back you know a decade at this point so um Brian that is crazy yeah go ahead it's just crazy like I I know it's like every year and it's not to toot our own horn but like 
every single year we announce the totals and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, this community is crazy. Like we could easily be doing something else with this money or people could easily be sending money to other locations. But like, I'm genuinely really proud of like this Seahawks community, like making a difference. We get to come on and bitch about dumb football things on a weekly basis. And people actually send their money to good causes to support us to do that. It's cool. Like, I, I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to toot our own horn, but it's just, it's a good feeling. Genuinely. I don't think it's even, I don't think it's even tooting our own horn. It's just, it's a cool, it's a cool deal. I mean, it's, it's good. Everyone gets to contribute and I think people get, get something out of it too. Um, it's not just charitable and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, some people might look at the sound. This, this sounds incredibly privileged and, and I acknowledge that there's definitely privilege involved, but I think if any of us, even the folks listening, if you had $200,000 now, of course, that would be amazing. Like that's a lot of money, but you know, over the course of 10 years, but that's um, Ben's fund donates, you know, they, their grants are a thousand dollars per grant. So they really try to make sure a lot of people get impacted by the, the money. And that means that 200 families, over 200 families have been impacted by what we've done um, as a community. And so I love that. I love that. I love that, you know, I believe in helping 200 families over helping one and or two. And so I, I just think that, uh, um, you know, it's great. And and from all, by the way, for people that don't know, um, Ben's Fund used to actually promote uh, or be run by feet of Washington families. Uh, I can't remember exactly what it, families for effective autism treatment, I think is what it was. Um, but they've moved to Seattle Foundation which is really cool because we donated last year to Seattle Foundation for all in wa to help with pandemic support, small businesses, uh, minorities that were being unevenly impacted by the pandemic. So Seattle Foundation is fantastic. I'm really happy that Ben's one joined that group. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I uh, just wanted to make sure people knew that we appreciate it. And if you haven't already, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Now is the time to sign up. There are still ring of honor um uh spots available and we've got a few folks in the ring of honor and now that we can get back together again during the season we're hoping- i was going to ask you about that brian what's the status like i actually haven't spoken to brian for anybody listening pre this show about this whatsoever so i'm kind of putting you on the spot but what's the deal for this fall are we going to do anything in person I, you know, it's it's still a little uh, iffy with with how things have been. So I'm trying to make sure to honor, you know, where people are going to be comfortable. But yeah, want to start talking with the Ring of Honor folks. For folks that don't know what we're talking about, we we get together, um, buy dinner usually at Daniel's Broiler, someplace nice, or do something nice, um, and get the crew together to spend time with uh, our Ring of Honor folks mm-hmm. um, as a special thank you, and we'll figure that out. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun year getting folks back together. You know, I can I to... say just one last thing? Yeah, of course, of course. I cut you off for like the seventeenth time. Yeah, eleven do minutes it, do into it. Real Hawk Talk. Uh, Nathan's mortgage payments are starting soon, so now's a really great time to say, sign up for Patreon <laughs> because uh, what's it come first? What's it, what, what's it do first? September first, Nathan. Uh, so no, that's the, another nice thing about buying a house, man. You get like a month or two. Oh, you're right. It's like the what's the what's the word called? It's like a financial. Nobody term. wants to hear this. Nobody okay. wants. I'm gonna cut I'm you off. Nobody it, wants to hear this. Yeah. 
I mean, if you really want to talk about interesting things, like what I was busy doing before this show was watching F Boy Island on uh, on HBO. Uh, I don't know what that is. Oh my god, it is it is trash TV. But Rachel and I were enjoying it quite a bit. It is twelve F Boys and twelve nice guys and three women, and they're trying to figure out which were the nice guys and which are the F Boys, and they send them all home. And it's hosted by Nick Blazer. It is it is awfully awfully good like, it's hosted by who nikki glazer oh the comedian i the, thought you said malcolm glazer and i'm like no it's not <laughs> no no um <laughs> uh that's the quality of tv that that i'm watching right now so i really need the seahawks season to start and thankfully guys yesterday was the first day of training camp um a lot to talk about there uh uh and where do we want to start i mean i can give you guys a little bit of of some first impressions i had um from camp yesterday um but before i do um i kind of want to know from each of you is there a player a specific player that you are eager to find out it can be a veteran player it can be a new player it can be a rookie it can be an existing player you want to see take the next step who are you kind of having your eye on heading into camp? And Nathan, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Daryl Taylor, I think, mm. is the one. Um, he's in a really weird spot for like a lot of reasons, right? I mean, obviously missed his first year. Um, they're lining him up at Sam, uh, which is not ideal at all. But he's also getting rave reviews. He was, uh, you know, an exciting prospect. So he's the guy that to me is the most interesting um, just to see where he plays and how good is he? And is he fully healed? Did he lose a step? Like just, there's a million questions with him and uh, they could all be pretty important for the team. Yeah. Yeah. I've got some words on, on uh, Daryl Taylor. It's just, we'll come back to that in a second. Evan, who, 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 who's your, who's your one to watch? Yeah. I'm going to go with Witherspoon. I think he has the potential to make, um, in terms of uh, relative to, I think, general fan expectations and potential performance this year, Witherspoon has a massive opportunity to make a massive impact. I think, he, you know, he got injured late last year. I was tweeting about this just a little bit earlier. He got injured in week 11 last year, um, had a nagging foot injury through basically the rest of the season. Uh, if you, if you know, if you do this like advanced stats, like split, you know, pre week 11, one through 11 and 11 through the playoffs, he's a completely different player. And pre week 11, Niner fans were basically saying that he was a must extend player. He's 25 years old, um, was playing the best football of his life really in weeks one through 11 and uh, he ended up being benched and, you know, didn't play uh, much throughout the playoffs. So I think if he's fully healthy, he could legitimately be CB1 for us. And if, 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 he, he, if he plays like one, you know, the secondary, I don't want to jinx myself like I did last year, but the <laughs> secondary could look pretty good. So God. he's a player I'm keeping an eye on. Oh, my God. That'd be funny to go back and watch that episode. I'm sure. Yeah, we, we don't, don't want to talk about that. <laughs> The, the secondary being one of the best in football. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. And I just say one more thing. I'm so glad the Seahawks did not pay Shaquille Griffin what he got paid by the Jaguars. So glad. So glad. I, and I'll tell you, like, 
keying off both. So it's really interesting you guys picked those two names because they're definitely two of the names that I had my eyes on at camp. And Witherspoon, like before I even knew, like I have my roster. If you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com, please do. Uh, I've got my 90-man roster with notes on every player that you can print, hand out, uh, take to the to camp. Um, it's just a good way, even to watch when you're watching the preseason games. It's a good way to to kind of quickly identify who's who because all the numbers have changed. And Carlos Dunlap's wearing like eight. Like there's all a bunch of weird numbers out there now. But Witherspoon just looks the part. I mean, the way he moves, um, you know, granted, these are padless practices. These are first impressions. But the, all you can really tell at this point is what kind of athlete these guys are, what kind of body types, how do they move in space, how do they react laterally quickly. You know what's really funny about him is he has like a six, five or six inch like height differential between like DJ Reed and Trey Brown and Ugo Amadi. Uh, Trey Flowers is like the one exception, but like. We've always, t- you know, we've been talking about the past decade, how like Pete Carroll was all into these like, you know, tall, lengthy, like Legion of Boom players, but suddenly their cornerback group looks pretty. It's compact. Small. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. But I mean, like, you know, you brought up another guy. Like, so, so Witherspoon was one of the first guys that jumped out to me. It's just like, wow, I love what I, mm. I couldn't take my eyes off him during practice. I think if he's healthy. I think I mean, not only that, but he, he locates the ball. I could already tell he locates the ball better than Shaquille Griffin. I mean, <laughs> that's not a strength of Shaq's game. He did other things really well, but I'm just really, I was really excited about him. Trey Brown was another guy where I had to look up his number. I was like, who is that? He is short, but the dude is stocky. Like he's built a little bit like a fire hydrant. Like, <laughs> and, and uh, I'm really eager to see, they see him playing outside. So I didn't see his, I didn't get a chance to see as much, but I really liked the way he moved. And, and I'm really eager to see him uh, a little bit more. Daryl Taylor, uh, Nathan, my notes on him weren't great. Um, I was not, I was not impressed particularly with how he moved. Um, he looks pretty small and, um, I didn't like, I saw him got, they were doing a fair amount of like, you know, run plays at, at one point during practice and he was just getting washed out. Um, like I, I, I didn't see him physically like getting in there and he just didn't move that well now the biggest caveat to that is one everybody else is saying he's great players are saying he's great coaches are saying he's great and people have compared him to frank clark oh boy like, in the locker room and Wait, in the locker room or on the field what's that <laughs> in oh, the yeah, locker not, room or on the field he's an oozyless frank clark i think is the gotcha. quote um Jeez. but i will say that frank clark didn't jump out to me either like, so, so that's the caveat I'll, I'll throw out there. Um, Frank Clark was not like a sudden athlete. He just had a lot of power to how he played. So first impressions go, I was not, I was hoping to be excited, but I was not particularly excited by Daryl Taylor. I mean, if you find out Nathan that he's not great, how big of a deal do you think that is? Um, I mean, the team is built to absorb that. I think uh, they've got enough depth and everything that it's not going to be a big deal. Um, obviously, it's a pretty big bummer for Schneider and some questions around his drafting. I think will kind of continue if if he does wash out. Um, 
But I mean, the comparisons to Frank Clark aren't really new. I mean, I think when people watched him as a draft prospect, you know, he looked like that kind of player um, where he really got by on determination and violence and and strength and more than suddenness. Um, So, uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he looks in the preseason and and see how he looks more as a defensive end than as a, a linebacker. But um, I, I don't think it'll be a huge negative for the team, um, but I think that if he could really break out and, and be a really positive player, obviously that would uh, that could help quite a bit. Yeah, you know what's interesting, guys, is um, so the, the, one of the stories has been that Taylor is going to be a Sam, right? He's going to be a Sam linebacker, take the spot that KJ was playing last year. Uh, people keep forgetting that Jordan Brooks was Will last year. So people yeah. say Jordan Brooks replaced KJ, but really Daryl Taylor's replacing KJ, at least from last season. Um, but Daryl Taylor didn't work out in linebacker drills. He was with defensive line in all the drills. So he, he did line up at Sam. It's not like they're lying, but it's pretty clear they still see him as an edge rusher, uh, you know, as, a, as like their primary interest in him. So I think Sam may just continue to be something, uh, a way to get him on the field, but uh, let's hope, let's hope. He, I mean, if he's, if he's Frank Clark without the Uzi, that, that would be, that would be fantastic. And with the rookie contract without the the contract that Frank Clark has. Um, um, someone brought this up. We're going to take a, a, a sharp left turn. Um, Cause this has been a rumor that's, that's jumped up. Um, related to cornerback in general, that position group, is wide open. There is, I mean, DJ Reed and Spoon, Witherspoon were the 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 top corners in the depth chart. Yet, you know, at, at camp and and how they were lining up. But who knows how that's going to end up? And now, Xavier Howard, Pro Bowl, All Pro. I can't remember if he's an All Pro, but he he is one of the best corners in the game, no doubt about that. Um, for Miami, has requested a trade. And Seattle has been identified as one of the potential um, targets um, or, or destinations, I should say. How do you guys feel about that? Like, Evan, I'll start with you. I mean, do you get excited about that? Are you like, oh, crap, are you going to do it again? Trading, you know, draft picks for veteran expensive player? Like, where are you on the Xavier Howard rumors? Yeah, I would not be super receptive to a trade like that. Um, I really don't see it being super feasible. Like, he wants a huge raise. You know, if, if they were to take on his contract as it is today, it's going to be like a $10 million cap hit for Seattle, which they can't even afford right now under their cap space. So they'd have to obviously extend a player or cut a player or, or do something tricky from a salary cap perspective to – open up space to fit him under the salary cap, but I just don't think it makes sense for this team. Um, You know, the Jamal Adams trade shifted over some draft capital and I just, it doesn't feel like it would be a smart move for them. Obviously he's a really good player, but like he's like 28 or 29 years old. And we all know how corners, you know, play at age 30, 31, 32. I, I'm not going to pretend he's not a good player. He's a really good player. He's probably a top three corner in the NFL, but I'm not sure it's wise for this team from like a long-term sort of roster building perspective. Nathan, where are you at on this? Yeah, I'm pretty much the same place. I mean, he's, he's 28. Um, 
you already gave up a lot of draft capital for Adams. Um, and we'll see what this cornerback group looks like. Um, they should feel okay about it. Obviously, he'd be a, a huge upgrade, but I don't know. It's not like you'd be feeling some drastic need or anything either. So um, I, I just don't think it makes sense outside of him coming for a lot less than we would have all guessed. Yeah, I, I love the player. I mean, he is uh, he is a great corner, like physical ball hawk, good cover guy. Like, I don't think there's a matchup that he can't, you know, hold his own against. So I think he is every bit one of the best corners in the NFL. I hate the idea of the team going out and trading, you know, more of the future you know, in terms of draft picks and signing a guy who's that old i just i mean i would take i would take a lot of other options um over that um uh to improve that group and and i think i think we got to see I, I don't feel so bad about the cornerback group i mean for folks that that maybe don't remember um the folk the the guys that are there on the roster right now i'm just pulling it up um You've got Witherspoon. Um, you've got DJ Reed as the starters. You've got Marquise Blair in the middle, which, you know, I think you have to feel pretty good about. You've got Ugo Amadi, who also has played in the middle and has been really good. Um, you've got Trey Flowers, who a lot of people, a lot of people hate. And we have talked trash about Trey Flowers. I am maybe alone on this front, but I felt like he was more than a serviceable cornerback the last half of the year. I thought he improved and steadied himself. Mm -hmm. I'm okay with Trey Flowers getting some snaps. You've got Trey Brown, who's one of your three draft picks. Um, I'm not particularly excited about Demarius Randall, um, although he's been in the league. He was a first round pick. Um, so you got to give him some props. I think Ryan Neal even got some corner snaps. I can't There's remember. There's a corner you're not mentioning yet that they signed this year. Uh, I was going through. There's Pierre Desir. Do you think Desir could have a potential resurgence from his time with the Colts? Because he got like a like two years ago, he got a legitimate contract from the Colts. It was playing really good ball. He was. I mean, I liked him when he was here before. So I mean, I, I can't. It wouldn't shock me, but he's had a few pretty bad seasons. So it's hard to say. I guess if, 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 if there's any situation for him to rebound in, I think it's Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, this is a safety driven defense. It has, and it has been for forever. Uh, and we welcome into the show, Jeff Simmons at real Jeff Simmons on Twitter. Were you, were you at some softball game or curling? I was at a softball game. Did you win? Were you called out by an American? No. Was this the it's Olympics? No, I was playing myself. Wait, oh, yeah, am I hallucinating or didn't you didn't you get called out by somebody once? Like real hawk talk or something like that? I think like or Kenny like Main made fun of me for playing softball. No, you had somebody that recognized you from the podcast. Oh yeah. That's what that I'm talking about. You're, you're right. Okay. You're right. No, no one recognized me from real hawk talk. <laughs> Disappointing. Well, um, what we're talking about right now, real Jeff Simmons is the cornerback position. We're just going over the Xavier Howard rumors and how none of us are really interested in 
adding a 28 year old expensive corner um, with what he would cost to get, even though I think we all think he's a great corner. Evan's got a bit of a hard on for Pierre Desir is uh, what we've just found out. He's, I think there's real upside based on the contract. That was an interesting choice of phrase um, given where I, I led you, but okay. Hard on, yeah. <laughs> so, so you're a Pierre Desir fan. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not buying Pierre Desir yet. If I'm looking at on the roster at some guys to that I am interested in at the cornerback, um, I think uh, uh, Jordan Miller is an interesting one. Um, and that's a guy that and Brian Mills I think is another interesting one to to keep an eye on. But Miller was a guy I think that he was he was a Husky, right? Um, drafted in the fifth round um, by Atlanta. Am I thinking the right guy? Yeah. He was drafted by by Atlanta, played for them for a little bit. He looks the part. So I think I think the Seahawks have been able to get by with without elite cornerback talent for a while. And I think uh, of all the position groups, that's the one I'm not as concerned about. Um, so is our- somebody in the chat said, "Aren't you always complaining about the fact that we never make it past the divisional round and don't take advantage of Russ's prime? This is the type of move that takes you over that hill." I. I think, I mean, I don't think anyone here is advocating for them being like irresponsible and going for broke. Um, Like this, Russ isn't so, I mean, Russ isn't 39. He's not Tom Brady. This isn't like you have one or two years to do this, right? Um, And and part of the, the struggles with getting past the divisional round has been just they don't have some depth and they don't have, they, they, it's just been clear that they've been missing a lot of the draft capital over the years, right? And they've been trying to scrap and get get things done and piece things together, and they haven't been able to like build a foundation underneath them, and and that's starting to change. It feels like so, like no, I don't think that just because Russ is still in his prime and we're desperate to get past you know the wild card divisional round, I, I don't think that means making like you know uh, you don't want to sell the next five years for this one well let's ask a tougher question because we are all very pragmatic fellas especially at this point in in the season i am yes you are (laughs) that's a compliment you are i'm gonna i'm gonna give this one to you evan if if we would not make a big move for a cornerback one of the best cornerbacks in football is there a position doesn't have to be a specific player is there a position where you would consider making a big move if someone was available and running back uh, <laughs> this motherfucker uh, Jesus. so early in the season nathan and we found out over the offseason that nathan keeps a spreadsheet of all running backs in the nfl watches them very closely so um i wouldn't be surprised if he's got his eye on somebody but Jeff, we're going to go with you on this one. Is there a position that you would be open to the Seahawks making an expensive move to acquire talent at? This one hurts because this could have been solved at a much cheaper cost. But to me, the whole thing that still hurts me is that they they don't have a great answer at center. And I, if they can get an elite center, I think offensive line is a sustainable position to invest in a veteran. I would be very happy with a high-profile player. They got Gabe Jackson already to have another guy like that in the middle of the line. 
I think that lifts this team's ceiling more than a corner, more than a pass rusher, maybe more than another wide receiver. So it kills me that Eskridge is on pup right now and Creed Humphrey's opening as the starting center in Kansas city, that pick might linger all year. So to me, if they could get a, like an established center, I would be very excited about that. If you're looking at Kyle Fuller as your opening day center or something like that, to me, that could be a big problem and it could, it's, it's such a problem issue. We know everything Russ talked about. So for me, that's the pick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we will come back to the Eskridge news um, in a bit. Evan, do you have a position? You cannot say coach. <laughs> you cannot say coach, asshole. Oh, that would have been good. Is it pass rush? <laughs> Nathan's face. <laughs> Is it pass rush? Nathan, you, you and Evan have this conversation. We're... Like, I'm just thinking about, like, what is the weakest position group on this team? Wide receiver. You really think so? Top two, great. If you, they it is hold atrocious. On, hold on. Maybe the weakest position group. You gave them a dra- – your immediate reaction to their draft was it's an F. Yeah. Because they drafted a receiver instead of a yeah. center. And you wanted – but – but now, but how can you think it, how can you think it's automatically an F if you think that receiver is their weakest position? I'm glad you asked that, uh, Nathan. Um, yeah. <laughs> because because it, it's all about how you fill that role. So they don't have an option for how to address the center position other than to have signed like to to have drafted one of these young, potentially great centers that would be under club control for multiple years. And to Jeff's point. You get a you get a center who's like a Pro Bowl level center. This line becomes one of the best lines in football, and and like completely elevates the whole team. If you hit on a slot receiver, it does not elevate the whole team. And I am still on the Golden Tate train. He's out there. I think you sign Golden Tate. There's no guarantee to me that he's not better than Eskridge right now. And so I think there was other ways to address the wide receiver role. And I think for the value available and the decision they made, it has to be that Creed Humphrey and those guys, the two or three centers that were available, they have to suck. And Eskridge has to be great in order for that grade to be better than F. If Eskridge is good, but Creed Humphrey is a pro bowl or an all pro, that grade is still an F to me. Like if you had a chance to get an all pro or a pro bowl center and you went after a slot receiver, that is a shitty, shitty use of that draft pick. And so that that's where I am on that. But yeah, I think the wide receiver, I absolutely think they need to address wide receiver. I, yeah. I, I'm surprised you guys are, are you, you feel differently. Like does, does Westbrook do it for you? D.D. Westbrook? Well, he's if already you, if, signed. Oh shit. He signed with the Vikings, didn't he? Yeah. I, I would have been happy to have him. I mean, who's the next best option. Is it just Golden Tate? Yeah. At this point, he's probably. tops on my list. He would, he would, he would fill right in. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I advocated for a receiver and that receiver they took in the draft is now hurt. So I don't disagree that they could use help there. I think I have a really hard time saying it's the weakest position. Like I would definitely think that corner is a weaker position. Really? Man. I mean, you don't have a, you don't have anything resembling a DK or a Tyler at corner there. for sure. But you have a bunch of like middle tier guys, right? Yeah. But you have two elite, you may be the best duo in the league. That's why I can't say wide receivers anywhere close. Defensive tackle. 
I actually like our DTs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean you got – who is it? Puna Ford, Brian Monet, Al, Al Woods. Woods. Al Woods, <laughs> who they should have signed last year, by the way. John Schneider fucking messed that one up. Yeah, LJ yeah, Collier. Al, Al Woods is my early veteran cut pick. I think he's not going to make the team. That's my. You that's don't my, think Al Woods is going to make the team? No, that's my bet. If Al Woods doesn't make the team, I'm not watching Seahawks games this year. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. He's the reason they might go far. Who? Robert M. Dicha, Dana's favorite. Uh, he's uh, an interior. interior. He is... I thought he was starting. I thought he was like playing with the first team today or something. Retech. Yeah. I mean, he that guy is 300 pounds and he looks like he weighs about 230. He he looks like he looks he's a training camp hero though. Like his deal has always been, you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> knowing how to play the position and everything yeah so i mean like okay so back to the question though uh i think center is probably the right choice um but you know if we're talking about trading for a corner i'd be way more interested in trying to get gilmore for a second or sir a third than you know trying to flip first or whatever for howard that's a great point i i'm, I'm actually right there with you nathan it's not necessarily the position that i object to it's the cost and the age like i don't mind them getting an older corner that's also really good but you know fourth round fifth round pick you know like that kind of compensation maybe but more than if you're trading more than a fourth maybe a third but i, I more than that i think i'd really struggle to see them trade um trade for for that um Okay, Eskridge, let's talk a little bit more about him. For people that don't know, um, our first pick of our three picks this year uh, was put on PUP, so he's not practicing. And did you guys hear Pete Carroll talk about the injury? It was unnerving. Um, It was, someone asked about Philip Dorsett, who, by the way, Eskridge was signed to basically replace and, uh, you know, erase the memory of Dorsett signing and never playing a snap due to a foot injury. And Pete Carroll was like, yeah, it's kind of like that. And I'm like, oh, God. He's like, you know, we're going to try to make sure, he, you know, he, he can show us that he can go back to back days. And we're hoping maybe next week. But it sounded it sounded indefinite. And it's he said he's had multiple opinions which mean that it's bad enough that they've had to see multiple doctors and he said there's no surgical options at this point so the fact that they're even talking about surgical options like my expectations are Eskridge is not going to be a factor this year like until until something is proven otherwise I'm just expecting that that guy's not part of the picture and I think it's it's hopeful to expect anything else so if that's the case, which I know is maybe you guys aren't in the same place, who else? And this is why for me, I'm more comfortable with corner than receiver because you've got Marquise Blair, you've got Ugo Mata, you've got guys that are starting caliber players that are even death, Trey Flowers. Like you've got five, six, seven guys at corner that you can all put in there. You've got two receivers for what is a dominant three receiver offense. You've got nobody. Is Freddie Swain your guy? Are you guys like, yay, Freddie Swain? Anybody? I'm really excited about Cade Johnson. Are you? Okay, tell us. I I, I don't know much about Cade. 
I don't know how he's going to look in camp because he's not like a uber athlete or anything. I mean, he's a fine athlete, but he's not, you know, crazy. Um, that dude looks, I, I don't know. Everybody watches him and compares him to Tyler Lockett. And he probably, he probably is more Lockett's athleticism now than Lockett when he was drafted. But I think a lot of how he plays, um, you know, the ability to play slot, the shiftiness, but also just the determination and tenacity to go up and get balls and make plays. Like, um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't been doing, I haven't been watching nearly as many draft guys as, you know, I, I used to, but, um, you know, watching his tape was fun. Like he's just a super fun guy, but like, also you could tell he, he understands the position. He's smart. He's capable. So I don't want to, dep- I don't want to like put the season on it, but if, if we're talking at the end of the year about how Kay Johnson saved their season because Eskridge never played a snap and Freddie Swain is Freddie Swain and they never got anybody, like, I'm not going to be shocked about that, that he's some, like, hidden hero or something of the season. That, that won't surprise me a little. Jeff, are we going to really be sitting here missing David Moore? Like, no. is that going to be a conversation we have? No, well, I'm the worst guy to ask. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> Um, I honestly think for the role they envision Eskridge, this probably is going to sound way too optimistic. It might look idiotic in two weeks, but I don't think Penny Hart can't do what they're asking Eskridge to do, which is to run a very similar role, sort of what Brand Cooks did. Obviously, they're nowhere near the same kind of players. Brand Cooks gets traded for first round picks. Penny Hart's like a street free agent. But I don't think it's that out of line that Penny Hart can do a little bit of what they're expecting Eskridge to do. And that's obviously not clearly, it's not obviously that's going to get us excited. And that's not a guy you want as in your three receiver set, but I don't think it's crazy that he can play and be fine. Yeah. He's definitely come out strong and he's fast and, you know, strong special teamer. I think he's a really good bet to make the team. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it is uncomfortable to bet the season on Penny Hart as your third receiver. I know, Nate, uh, or sorry, Evan, that the guy that you're counting on is the 75-year-old out of Hawaii who's still on the roster. Wasn't he cut? Is he he still was, on the but he's, he's, he's back. John Ursua, I mean. I don't think he makes the team. He's 27 now, right, I think? Is he really 27 years old? He's never made older. the team, has he? he? I feel like that's a safe bet that he won't make it this year either. He might be older than 27. No, he's 27. This yeah. team is ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, I have, I have no other comments outside of that. I don't think he's going to make the team. It's crazy. And this is probably a bigger picture thought. How many years in a row has their top pick not made it through camp or not made it into camp? It is ridiculous. We were like, I think Nathan was joking about the medical staff, or it might be serious, but this is a bizarre run where it's like six years in a row where their top pick hasn't been able to get through camp. Yeah. If you look at it, it was last year with Daryl Taylor, they drafted an injured guy. Brooks got hurt at the beginning of the year. Uh, Rashad Penny came into camp overweight. Malik McDowell, Jermaine Fetty got hurt. LJ Collier got hurt. So we're looking at what Bruce Irvin is he the last first pick to like make it through a camp? That's bizarre. Like when we talk about how screwed up this team is, like you can throw darts at a wall and you couldn't come up with a streak like that. Last healthy player that was a top pick for the Seahawks 
going into training camp was when I was 14 years old. How does this happen? I was literally in junior high. Uh, he's also retired now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So, so let's move on. I mean, the receiver, I think the receiver spot is to me, third receiver spot is, I guess we're going to get really specific. That to me is the weakest spot on the whole roster, the third receiver spot. Um, and okay. We need a, we need a Dana moment. What is the best position? What is the best group on this? I'm song? glad you said that. That's where I was I was going to go next. I mean, from a position group, the funny thing is, Evan, you're talking about pass rush. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, when I looked at – I'm looking at, at that group, and I'm like, there's oozing pass rushers, especially edge. I mean, and I like – I like what – because of what they've done on the edge, I think they actually have some interesting interior options. I think Collier, to me, is more interesting inside. Rasheem Green is more interesting inside. Uh uh Kimdiche is someone who's potentially interested so inside. do All you have high hopes for Hyder? inside no oh boy so, what's your that? what's your perspective on Hyder? is oh, he boy. do you have high hopes for him yeah I think he was their best best free agent pickup okay I'm not disputing that I just wanted to know like what your expectations were for him I sense I sense some uh some discomfort uh with Kerry Hyder. speak up no, it's just funny because you spent like four months drilling over Carrie Hyder and Evan's like, tell me your opinion. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's Did you really, Brian? <laughs> Evan doesn't listen to Carrie Hyder. We, we know that Evan doesn't listen. Evan talks, <laughs> but he doesn't listen. That is just something we know about Evan. We love him. Phil Haynes, too. I, and by the way, he looks good. He looks like I didn't even know his number. I was like, who's that guy? He's. He's good, dude. You you watch and wait. I'm still I'm, I'm on the Phil Haynes here, but Kerry Hyder, he looks like nothing. I mean, he looks small. You would he doesn't look that fast. You would not look at him and say this guy jumps out. But when he gets out there and lines up um, in a game, Seahawks fans are gonna love him. They're gonna love Kerry Hyder. They'd be really happy that they have him on this team. Um, certainly more happier than having LJ Collier line up uh, at Five Tech every day. It is a remarkable change from the edge recruits last year. Oh my like, God. Like I was watching the stream yesterday. And I, I think I texted you just watching Dunlap and Alden. I don't even know if Alden Smith's going to play for the team, but just watching them like walk around, they look massive, like tall compared to the other defensive end. Those two guys just stood out and Dunlap is a huge, like six foot seven monster. And Alden just looks huge. And then you have like, those guys are raving about, Daryl Taylor, I don't want to get excited about him either, but you have him. Alton Robinson's like the fifth guy now. Benson Mayoa, like they're body and hider. There's a lot of options. Let, let me read them off real quick. I mean, Alden Smith, Alton Robinson, Benson Mayoa, Rasheem Green still fits in that group. You've got, uh, um, uh, sorry, uh, Carlos Dunlap. Um, who am I missing? Daryl Taylor. Daryl Taylor. Harry Hyder. Uh, well, that's all it means. It's like seven guys. That's just a huge list of guys. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you compare that to last year where Mayoa and Bruce Irvin. Like, those that's were your guys. Last year, we were excited about that Jonathan Bullard guy. Like, we thought he was like a diamond in the rough. We were, we were searching for water in the middle of the like our 10th string defensive end now. So that was a pretty low point for all of us. 
Do you, do you, how do you feel, Nathan, about the pass rush? Like, you know, as our resident skeptic, uh, do, do you, do you agree that that's a, that like, that's a position of strength, at least the edge rush? I, I do. I mean, that really hinges on Dunlap, right? Like, <clears throat> I think you remove Dunlap from this group and it doesn't look a whole lot different than what we were looking at last year. Right. Um, but Dunlap's, you know, a difference maker. He's a stud, right? And, and so he changes things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love the depth and I love that approach. You know, they managed to find somebody who's extremely good. They got him for cheap. Um, and then they they got a lot of guys that they can use to manufacture pass rush, which um, seems like a pretty smart approach. So it's cool to see him go that route. Well, and their best pass rusher isn't even on the field yet. That's right. We, we did forget one edge player. Jamal Adams. Uh, speaking of, of uh, edge rushers, um, has not yet uh, signed a contract extension. Um, are any of you worried? I mean, he's in camp. He's on the sidelines. It's going to be done by next Friday. Okay, why next Friday? I just think they're this team loves him. This franchise loves him. Pete Carroll's lo- Pete Carroll loves him. John Schneider loves him. They invested a ton of resources in acquiring him. He's been too good for this team to let go. I, I think uh, if the if the squabble is over a million or two per year, I don't think it's worth it. And I think this gets done. I want to hear from each of you right now. Are you, do you believe Jamal Adams is a, is an all pro blue chip player that you're happy to have on the team at the price he's going to cost? I want to know from, from each of you, how you feel about not, I'm not talking about the draft picks. I'm talking about the contract price. So Jeff, I'm going to start with you. I will say no. I think he is a blue chip player. I think he is a great safety, but I don't think that's a great way of allocating resources. And as good, even for example, like Bobby Wagner, great player, couldn't be a better Seahawk, but I think there's a great question looking at him and looking at positional value, whether that was a smart investment, $18 million. And listen, I love Jamal. I'm happy he's on the team. He's a great player. He brings a ton of energy, but I don't think spending 17 to $18 million on a safety who's not great in coverage is a wise investment. Evan? God, that's a really tough question. Um, if it's seven to eighteen million, I'm okay with it. But if we start approaching 2021, 20, 22, like pass rusher type, like he makes a ton of sacks type impact into his contract negotiations, then I get more nervous. But 17 or 18, sure. Why not? Okay. I mean, we're talking about a guy that's making two or three million dollars more than the next highest paid safety who got paid this year. Yeah. I, I don't know. Am I happy to have him on a team? He's young. He's obviously dynamic. Um, yeah, I'm happy to have him on the team. Is he really like just lapping the field in, in terms of how good he is? Like, I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think that this is. It's, it's going to be one of those things where it's a pretty poor use of resources on a very good player. And so how much does it ultimately matter? It's hard to say. Yes. But I don't know that you can really look at 
you know, let's say they signed him for 17 and a half, right? Split the difference. They gave up two first round picks to get him. It's just hard to think that that was, it's hard to think that they weren't paying well over his actual value, which is still very high. So I don't know. I guess that's where I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm all in on Jamal. Um, You know, I agree with you, Evan, and similar in terms of like where I'd be uncomfortable with the price. I think 17, 18 is as high as I'd be comfortable with, but um, look, Bobby, Bobby's not getting any younger. There isn't another face of this defense that has the attitude and the leadership necessary. Jamal is young, elite um, and multi-talented. And, and I think, I think that, Obviously, it would be better if they could have drafted somebody like that, but um, they didn't. And and so the fact that he's here, I absolutely wanted to sign him. I think I think the Seahawks fans have not seen Jamal Adams at his best. I don't think they've even seen him at close to at his best. And I think him in front of a full Lumen Field, when healthy, I think people are going to see like a guy whose ceiling is defensive player of the year level talent. Like I think he has the ability to fill up the stat line. And I think this idea that he is a bad cover safety, I'm not saying great, but the fact that people think he's a bad cover safety, I think that's going to come back and get revisited this year. I, I, I do not think Jamal Adams is a bad coverage safety. I think he is. I think he can be every bit what Cam Chancellor was, which was a, good coverage safety for a strong safety. I do not think he is a free safety cover player. So I think he can cover tight ends. And I think, uh, I think there's gonna be some people that should eat their words um, on Seahawks Twitter about Jamal Adams. And I doubt they will. Um, But I I think that, I think Jamal Adams is going to be the best player on this defense and the second best player on the whole team this year. So with that said, does he deserve to make more than Bobby Wagner makes per year? A hundred percent. hundred percent. I, I, the fact that the Seahawks were saying that, that the rumor is there's some discomfort about paying him more than Bobby. I understand the optics because Bobby's like the team leader and all that. That was a little weird to me though. I it's it was, like, I thought it was a negotiation ploy. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah that's a good it was point. A Bobby ploy. I, I, I doubt it matters at all. It wow. wouldn't shock me one bit if they were like, all right, look, we're going to make a little news at the start of training camp. You get a, a week longer of vacation. And then we're going to pay you more than we pay Bobby because it's just a stupid thing to care about. I mean, I get that they might want to give him some love and some press like that, but if they're honestly, if they think a player is worth more than Bobby and they're not going to pay him it just because of that, that's pretty foolish. <laughs> That'd be so stupid. That'd be super stupid. Um, speaking of Bobby, I'll tell you one other thing that I noticed at camp. Um, he's no longer the most athletic linebacker on that roster. Mm. Like it jumped off the field. Jordan Brooks is next level right now. His thighs are like Evan's entire torso. Like <laughs> he is a, he looks like he is ready to do damage this year. And I was watching them just, just going through step drills, the speed at which his feet move relative to, I mean, Bobby used to just destroy that drill. And it's not that he's like slow now. But it's just clear. Jordan Brooks has got almost a decade on him, right? Age-wise, and is in his athletic prime. So there's a new new king of the hill there. Brian, you just gotta keep in mind they don't allow porn on YouTube. So you gotta tone down a little bit. <laughs> Evan, 
I definitely do not want to know what you consider to be porn for multiple <laughs> reasons. So uh, thank you for that. But but yeah, I, Jordan Brooks um, could be a guy that like most people aren't really counting on to be an impact player. That guy. Oh, ESPN put out a list of 15 players who are going to become like star level in their second year. He was number four, I believe, on the whole list. Really? Damian Lewis was in the top 15 and Brooks was number four. I think it was a PFF list too. Wait a second. I thought the Seahawks don't draft well. They said that Brooks has elite coverage instincts. He just needs to be more consistent. Yeah, I, I'm i super high on Brooks. Um, but I, I do want to come back to this question about the best position group. So we, we talked about mm. – we talked about uh, – edge rush at least there's other position groups on this Let's roster see. i think you can go through almost all of them and feel pretty good like i could go through it but i want to hear other position groups for you guys that jump out as super strong safety okay talk about it well jamal adams is one of the best players in the league at the position whatever you think of him quandre Diggs has been a very valuable cover safety in their scheme so that's last year of his deal by the way yeah, last year. So he's been – the second half of the year last year, he played a lot better. And the people who spent a lot of time on X's and O's are really high in what he does in the scheme. And I thought Ryan Neal played pretty admirable in a backup role last year, and he showed that he can play a pinch. He's not, the more we saw him, the, the talent started to diminish a little bit. But you got two high-level starters, two Pro Bowl-level starters with an all-pro ceiling of capable backups, and there's – Marquise Blair's on the team. He could slide in at safety too. To me, that's the best position on the team other than quarterback. By the way, Marquise Blair is who slid into safety with Jamal Adams out, interestingly enough, with the first unit. So I think that's a great one. Evan, you have another position group that, that you love on this team? I like tight end. Yeah. Hell yeah. Gerald Everett, like like Will Disley, Colby Parkinson. Like he's called. Nathan's every time Evan says something, Nathan just smiles and starts shaking his head. Did I say a name wrong? That's pretty fair, no? <laughs> Wait, what did you say? He called him like Gerald Everett or something. Is that not how you say his name? <laughs> pretty sure Gerald. it's Gerald. Is it Gerald? <laughs> Gerald? There's nobody called Gerald. Who's Gerald? <laughs> nobody in the world is called Gerald. Gerald right, that Everett. means Everett's going to have a terrible year now. Well, right? that was a bad <laughs> signing for the Seahawks this offseason. <laughs> No but, there. no, but for real, I, th- I think that group is pretty solid this year, frankly. Like, Will Disley is a tight end, too. Can you yeah. really be upset with that? Yeah, and Disley himself said that last year, coming back from the injury, he he was not he was not um, himself. Yeah. He, so. Did you hear Everett on a softy show yesterday? I didn't. He had some funny quotes. He was like, no disrespect to Jared Goff, but he's not in the same like world as Russell Wilson. it was just like the Rams like the offense and the defense never connected with the Rams we were always like it was just like Pete so much fun McVay was hard on it it was a very it was very open he was just trashing golf it was pretty interesting well I've heard some rumors there's not just Gerald Everett that came from the Rams Um, obviously Shane Waldron other guys have come from the Rams organization uh Scuttlebutt is people are escaping the Rams organization and are attracted to the Seattle um, culture Um, coaches, players, others. And uh, 
So it'll be interesting. Like McVeigh is like the wonderkin, but uh, some of the scuttlebutt is it's not necessarily all roses um, down in in uh, in LA. So uh, tight end's a good one. Um, Nathan, another position, any other position groups to you that jump out? As Quarterback's super- pretty good. What's that? Quarterback is pretty good. Who do you want to be backup, Mister? Who do you want I mean, to be that's backup? Not even a, it's not even a question. It's Alex Magoo's time. Gino's got to step aside. He's old. He needs to retire. It's Alex Magoo's time. You know what? I, I sent you the picture because uh, I knew you you needed to see. He is pushing Jordan Brooks on the leg front. That guy, yeah. he, he reported in some pretty good shape. Maybe he's going to take the uh, Taysom Hill role this year. <laughs> he was pretty mobile i mean i honestly don't remember him that well but i remember he was pretty good that preseason with us like that's a that's a dynamic that seattle's offense could really use they could use a more dynamic mobile quarterback someone a little bit more spry yeah yeah that's true russell wilson has never been known for his mobility well, um, it's like half a joke but like that's becoming a real thing like every year it's getting worse his mobility like he still makes plays, he's still Russell, he's still crazy, he'll still do wild shit in the pocket. But he is not the same guy from an athleticism perspective. And that's gonna be fun to watch over the or interesting to watch over the next couple of years. Well, it's so funny. I mean, it's so predictable. Every offseason, you can set your watch to it. Russell Wilson has had the best offseason ever. He's reported in insane shape. Jake Heaps with his hype, you know, tweets. People don't understand how much he was killing it this offseason. And, and this looks chunky. <laughs> I'm not saying he looks chunky. I'll leave that to you. But I, I mean, he's getting older. How much, like, is he really going to all of a sudden report and be back to like a 4 4 40 guy? Like, I don't think so. You saw those Jake Heaps tweets too. I was like cringing. <laughs> I mean, I love Jake Heaps and yeah, I love he's he works a guy. Like, that's great. But I'm not buying it. I'm not buying like that all of a sudden Russell's like turned on and not like all up up until now, Russell was just slacking all off season, but he <laughs> just turned it on this year. And it's like a different animal. Like I don't buy that at all. But it was interesting what Nathan said. I was listening to uh, Mike Sando the other day, talk about his quarterback tiers. And he said, Russell went from getting, I think 49 or 50 first tier votes to only 46 this year. And I think they said that some defensive coaches who played against him in the second half last year thought he looked a little sluggish and slower. And they found him, he was easier to tackle than usual. And he said that's there were four defensive coaches that played him last year that didn't give him tier one votes because of that exact reason. Well, <laughs> Evan, you bastard. He's always like, I gotta, I gotta leave. Like, just give us like two minutes. Come on, you're gonna stay on for a few more minutes. What are you, you tired? You got to sleep? I have no idea what you're talking about, Brian. Come on, dude. Um, so another position group that's really strong is running back. Uh, and I will tell you, part of the reason I'm giving Evan shit is because uh, not only Chris Carson, I mean, anyone that saw his videos of the offseason know that he is in incredible shape. Like, there's no doubting it. That guy is a beast. But Rashad Penny, he he looks as good as I've ever seen him. Um, and I mean, who knows how it's going to translate, whether he stays healthy, but it was no surprise to me when it came out the report that he's reported in at 220. Um, uh, you know, he's, he's trimmed down. He looks much slimmer 
than he did before. And uh, he looked fast. So, I mean, you got Rashad Penny, you've got Chris Carson, you've got Alex Collins, you got DJ Dallas. Um, and actually, there was another guy <laughs> that looks like he's uh, it's a rookie at free agent. I had to look up who it was. Josh Johnson. He is like a bowling ball, like super short, but stocky, like reminds me a little, little bit of uh Justin Forsett, uh, like, you know, but a little faster. So I think the running back position is super strong. So, I mean, in summary, you got a strong quarterback position. You've got strong tight end. I think the offensive line looks pretty strong. You've got defensive line is strong. You've got uh, safety looking strong. I think you've got questions at corner. I think you've got some questions at defensive tackle. You've got questions at third receiver. Um, it's not a lot of questions, honestly. Um, so I know we have to wrap up a little bit, but um, uh, the only other thing I wanted to at least talk with you guys a little bit about is Dwayne Brown. Um, so Dwayne Brown did mention that he wants a, a contract extension. He also is in camp, but not practicing. Um, do they, do they extend him? Do they extend him? I'm going to give you two questions. Do they extend him? And if they do not, will he hold out uh, into the regular season? And uh, Evan, I'm going to start with you. I'd say they need to extend him. Who's the, who's the backup behind him? Is it, is it stone? Whatever Jamarco the Jones. Jamarco Jones is technically the backup behind him. Yeah. He's been getting the snaps. Dwayne Brown is what is he? 35, 36 years old. He's a tackle. We know tackles except, you know, tackles of his caliber can play late into their thirties. I, uh, I really don't see an issue with extending him. You know, he signed his previous deal was really reasonable. It was like three years, 34 million or something in that like 10, $12 million range. Like I'd be, I'd be completely comfortable, you know, ticking that up a little bit, a couple million dollars per year. Like you, you cannot convince he's an all pro left tackle. Like last year was maybe one of his best years in the NFL. I don't think he's declining. I think he's absolutely like a 14, $15 million player per year. Like maybe even more, frankly, I think he is absolutely a type of guy that you, give an easy three-year extension to. And on top of that, extending him would actually reduce his salary cap hit this year. So to me, it makes complete sense. And if they don't, do you think he holds out? I don't know what the new NFL CBA rules are though, with like holding out with games specifically. So I, I, I don't know 100%. have gotten worse with the new CBA. For they, I know they have in training camp, but I don't know what the impact I, I guess the logical assumption is that it, it's worse for games too, but I don't know. Uh, Nathan, do they extend him? And if they don't, do you think he holds out? I, I this is just a gut thing. I think they're not going to. Um, I, I don't think he's going to have, he, he's going to have some little type of holdout, but nothing into the season, nothing remotely close. Okay. Jeff? I don't think he'll hold on to the season. Um, to me, honestly, I think the whole Dwayne Brown thing is good news. I think I think the fact that he wants to play beyond this year is a very a big positive to me. 
especially given how they've sort of not addressed the left tackle of the future. There's that Stone Forsyth guy, but I don't want to get too excited about him. He's a six-round pick, a lot of work to do. So, again, the fact that they're not going to be searching for left tackle, they don't have that first-round pick. Though this year they probably would have spent it on a tackle if they had one. So the fact that Dwayne Bryant wants to keep playing, to me, that's a huge positive, and I think he will be here. Yeah, I'm kind of – my I'm kind of concerned that the Seahawks don't plan to extend him and I'm concerned this could end up being an issue <laughs> like uh I'm with you Evan I think that they should extend him and I with you Jeff I think it is good news um if they don't if they don't he, he's at plays an expensive position they don't have a lot of leverage because they don't have a good backup and if they get in a position where they feel like they are out leveraged and they don't want to put that number on the table and he decides not to play, that's a season-changing issue. So way more than the Jamal Adams issue, I've got my eye on that. I want to see Dwayne Brown in a uniform and happy. Brian, what number makes you uncomfortable with Dwayne Brown? Hmm. I don't know. Knowing what what top top market? What's the top of the market for left tackles right now? Is it that Tunsil at 22.5, I think? Probably. I mean... He's not touching that. No, no, he's not. Not at his age. But would you pay him eighteen million dollars a year? Oh. Dwayne Brown has done way more to show that he will earn eighteen hundred eighteen million dollars a year on the <clears throat> on the field than Jamal Adams has. I don't know if I agree with that, but I I do. I mean, I think the positional value is super super high. So mm-hmm. I understand where you're coming from. I don't think I'll ask for eighteen million. Yeah, I think to me, like if it's if it's in the fifteen to sixteen million range, I'm I'm much more comfortable. Sure. The Seahawks have a way of doing business. They prioritize their way their contracts. So I think the Dwayne Brown thing is just waiting for Adams to get done, and then they'll move on to that. Yeah, That's how they, uh, they they let Carlos hit the the market. Yeah, this is how they operate. They have that was scary. That, <laughs> Yeah, we all hated that, but it worked in their favor. Yeah. Franchise um, Dwayne Brown. Yeah, I mean, one other cool thing that came out uh, is that 90 out of 91 players on the roster have been vaccinated. Um, I think, you know, not trying to get into politics here, but just from a competitive advantage standpoint, the potential that the Seahawks are going to be less prone to having players have to miss time because – they've been vaccinated, I think is a big deal. And there's going to be teams in the league that we saw it last year, uh, Tennessee, Baltimore, whatever. Uh, Lamar Jackson just got COVID for the second time. Um, Like it's a huge, I think it could be a huge competitive advantage for the team. So kudos to the team, kudos to the players, um, everyone involved for, for getting that to happen, but um, we'll, we'll see how that goes. So um, all right. I know we've got a wrap here uh any last words from each of you before we sign off for the night uh jeff start with you anything you're looking looking at uh coming up in the next few days or weeks uh no i'm mostly excited that i have something to read about every day again and something that's not covid my raptors screwed up their draft pick tonight so something that's not and and to me the buzz of daryl taylor has caught my eye early I'm a skeptic with him, but it's Dunlap, it's Bobby. There's a lot of talk coming out about 
how explosive he looks and how smart he is. So I'm curious if that carries over into the preseason games, and I'm curious to see how him and Brooks and Damian Lewis look this year. So, yeah, it's just fun to follow again. Evan, anything you're uh, particularly looking for news on over the the coming days on the Seahawks front? Um, that's a really good question. Um, the Eskridge stuff really makes me nervous. I know we covered that, but toe foot injuries make me really nervous because they, na- you know, they nag for receivers. That's mm-hmm. the thing. You know, it could, it could last like we saw, we saw what happened with Philip Dorsett last year, right? Like where he was, you know, projected to come back and just never did. So, you know, he was Seattle's top pick this year. Uh, I think if he can play a, a heavy role this year, uh, that's significant. So I, I really hope he's a player that's, you know, this is obvious, but ready comes come the start of the season. I think he can make a big impact. Nathan, how about you? I'm with Jeff. I'm just excited to have it all back and be talking about it again. It's awesome. Well, uh, did we do any Patreon questions? I know Evan's got to go. Someone's asking. Sam was Frick. asking. Um, I can pull it up actually. No problem. I did not post any Patreon questions. I forgot. I did. Oh, because I'm responsible. Uh huh. And I remember this stuff. Um, uh, I am pulling it up as we. While you're doing that, I will say one other thing that was interesting to me, and that I'll be keeping an eye on, is mm-hmm. um, the Shane Waldron offense. And one of the things that got me excited watching uh, camp was a lot of outside, like not surprisingly, a lot of pitch plays, a lot of outside zone runs, and then a lot of play action off of that. And more excited, you guys, I saw it. I swear to God, I saw it. Multiple intermediate routes, not 50 yards downfield, not five yards downfield, but 15 to 25 yards. I saw DK catching. I saw Gerald Everett catching. That was completely absent from this offense last year. And it was all or nothing. And so I, I, I'm really going to keep an eye on that. I was, I was, I was pleased with what I saw in that, in that early camp. We've got three or four solid questions that I'm going to hit you guys with. I'm just going to go solo questions. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. Um, of the following three players, who is it most important that they have a good training camp Robert, whatever the heck his name is from the Cardinals. I'm not even going to try. Alden Smith or Daryl Taylor. Well, probably the most important guy would be MDJ because if he doesn't, there's no way he's making the team. So I would say. Well, let me, let's reposition that from the Seahawks perspective, like from a team success perspective. Oh, it's clearly Taylor. Um, Taylor's the guy who they have a long-term investment is. Smith is a one-year stopgap, and DJ is a flyer. Mm-hmm. Taylor's the guy they invested, they traded up for in the best wide receiver draft class. He was the guy they valued as their Frank Clark replacement, essentially. And he's a guy with a long-term ceiling on this team where the other guys probably won't be back, even if they make the team at all this year. So to me, Taylor's just a totally different conversation than those two. Brian, this next was to you because it's Rams-related. How worried are you that we may be potentially underestimating Matthew Stafford's impact on the Rams? Who in the world underestimating? All I'm seeing is that the Rams are like favorites, Do you really see favorites to win like the world? Like we really went, we went through the Vegas odds 
like the Seahawks are like complete underdogs right now. Mm-hmm. Want, wait, I'm going to bring it up. Vegas odds. You guys come back to me, but um, I will say it's swung back around a little bit. Like people got really excited about Stafford and talked about how good he was. And then it just like snowballed. And now everyone's like laughing about it. The Rams are the seventh. Well, they're tied actually for the fifth best odds to win the Super Bowl. They're tied with the Ravens and the 49ers. The Browns have a better chance, according to Vegas odds, to win the Super Bowl than the Seahawks. How are the Niners fifth? They got the Chiefs first, the Bucks second, the Bills third, the Packers fourth, and then you got the Ravens, 49ers, and Rams fifth. I mean, say what you want about overrating the Rams, but the Niners are the uh, is the one that's not like the others there for me. I guess, man. I, I think I think it's a talented roster and a great coaching staff. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I, so to answer your question directly, I'm not underestimating um, Sean McVay, who's a great offensive mind with a quarterback who is not a total dipshit. Like. <laughs> Like, yeah, like that's, that's concerning. And that offense like was still damn good with Jerry Goff. Mm-hmm. Really good. Um, so I guess I have some question of how much better they can be. I think they will be more consistent. I don't necessarily think they're going to all of a sudden score 50 points a game, but I do think that they're going to be more consistent. And with that defense, Aaron Donald is still the best player in football. So, you know, um, the hope there is less about, uh, Matthew Stafford and more about their defensive coach moving on. And you, you got to hope that that's a big effect because they had Wade, uh, was it Phillips? Wade Phillips, yes. And he was a great defensive coach and he did not do the same things with those same players. So, well, then they had Brandon Staley, right? Who, not Brandon, Brandon Staley, Staley, which was the guy that left, right? And, and they lost Josh Johnson and they lost other safeties. So, like, uh, yeah. Oh, they lost the other cornerback, right? Didn't they? Um, anyway, they lost a couple of players, so I'm curious so, how the defense plays. Let's end on a fun question, Nathan. I'm not, I don't want to answer any Jason Myers questions. <laughs> it's not Jason. Well, it actually might be Jason. Myers. Okay, it might be a Jason Myers answer actually to this question. Uh, which non-quarterback Seahawk would you love to see throw a touchdown pass this season? And it can't be a quarterback. It can't be a quarterback. Because, I mean, non-Russell Wilson, it's still a quarterback for me, I think. I want to see Alex McGee throw a touchdown. It'll be the stupidest touchdown in the world. It'll be amazing. He's a quarterback, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying if it was non... All right, okay, okay, okay. okay. I'll play the game. Um... Jason Myers? No, God, no. Pull a John Ryan in the NFC Championship game? It's got to be Jamal Adams. <laughs> how does that happen? Wait, you want Jamal Adams to throw it? Wait, how is that going to... Like, I want to know exactly. the offensive okay, first formation. Of all, okay, first of all, yes. How does that even happen? All right. And then second of all, if you're just talking about a guy who's going to lose his goddamn mind if he ever throws a touchdown pass, <laughs> like Jamal Adams is oh going to do some really stupid stuff if he throws a touchdown pass. And I kind of want to see that. I gotta love that answer. Uh, it I feel like Michael sense. Dixon would showboat if he if he threw a touchdown pass. Didn't he? What did he do when he ran for the first down? 
What did he did he do anything? He spiked the ball, didn't he, or something? Yeah. <laughs> kind of dang. If we're talking about like strictly offensive players, I mean DK for basically the same answer because you know he's gonna put on a show if he does it. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You, you gotta imagine the DK with the athlete he is, like he would throw like an 80-yard touchdown. It would be on a dime, like laser beam, and it would just be like, holy shit, this guy can do everything. Uh, but I like the Jamal Adams. I'm gonna I'm gonna think about that. That is the end of the Patreon questions. Thank you, Sam, for making sure we remembered that. And thank Patreons, uh, patrons. Um, please go to patreon.com slash Join the community over on the Slack channel. Um, if you haven't already, click the like button on YouTube. Uh, click subscribe. To click the little bell to get notified when we go live. You never know when it's going to happen. We are going to start getting more consistent on Wednesday evenings. Um, you will see that happen. I'm even going to adjust my schedule so it's possible. Uh, Wednesday's been a little tough for me lately, but we're going to make it happen. And uh, we're all looking forward to just getting back uh, together and having this conversation about the Seahawks on a regular basis. Most of it will be about the Seahawks. We may talk a little bit about F-Boy Island. I'm not going to lie. But uh, until then, uh, have a wonderful evening and uh, go Hawks. Mm.